podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello and welcome along to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast. Thanks so much for joining us once again. It's a first restart defeat for the Rams after that uh, disappointing 2-0 loss at automatic promotion chasing West Brom. But our uh, unlikely playoff charge still remains intact for now as uh, other teams around Derby also falter and a certain 97th minute equaliser saved us from another East Midlands derby embarrassment. I'm Chris Parsons. Hello. Two of the regulars on SBW have dialed in. Uh, Tom, have you managed to get to the pub yet since lockdown was eased? Uh, Yeah, myself and Kutch made it to the pub on Sunday afternoon. Uh, We sat in the garden socially distanced and had two or three pints, which then turned into five or six as they didn't kick us out after two hours. So I won't name the pub. Um, it was very good, and there was lots of hand sanitizer everywhere. Very, very nice to be back in the pub for the first time since March. Excellent. And Anton, you probably wish you had turned to drink, I guess, with some of those goals that we conceded at West Brom that we just sat through. Yeah, some of my home brewers definitely helped get through those games. Good to hear. Well, speaking of booze, you all know the drill by now. Uh, Steve Blimmer's Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company. Derby's original craft brewer. But as I just said, we've uh, just witnessed defeat on the road a matter of minutes ago. Um, Only Derby's second defeat in the last eight games, let's not forget. But uh, with no shots on goal, missing two of our most important players and, uh, well, yet more dubious defending from crosses and set pieces. Uh, Anton, this this 2-0 defeat to West Brom, did it feel like a bit of a reality check for our playoff hopes? I think so. I, I think we were just a, a bit of a victim of our threadbare squad at the moment. We've been we've been talking all season really about the the lack of options in defence, which is, has become even more prominent since Wisdom being out. But over the last couple of games, even the the attack has been um, pretty threadbare as well with the the Lawrence and and Waghorn. Um, suspensions, um, very limited options. We we saw towards the end of the game with with eight academy players um, on the pitch. I mean, great to see on on one hand, but also shows the the lack of numbers within the squad. I think it's although it's a, a disappointing defeat. Um, I mean, having gone on such a good run, um, you can't take too much disappointment from it, and and you can only look forward really. Yeah, almost a few echoes of the away defeats or the away performances that we saw earlier in the season, really, where Derby basically didn't really lay a glove on their opponents. Um, As we said, no shots on goal. And West Brom, you have to say, that they were just a level above us, really. they I think they controlled our attacks. I mean, it's not even as if we got into positions where... um, or that many positions where we we should have scored, created that many chances or, or openings particularly I think that the best it really got was Dwayne Holmes's chance in what was it the first five ten minutes when uh, some terrific work from from Sibley and Bogle down the right and uh, Holmes found himself in a lot of space in the area but decided to just take a touch 
and then his shot got quite easily blocked by by a West Brom defender. I think, I don't know, we just looked sort of hesitant, not quite there physically. I mean, it wasn't really sticking to to Martin much up front and the, the flicks that he was providing weren't really coming off. How much of it was was Derby being poor and how much of it was just the fact that West Brom are, are you know, a, a better drilled, more confident team with uh, with better match winners who make the most of their opportunities? I think um, I think we've got to accept that West Brom are, are probably going to get promoted this year and over the course of the season deserve to get promoted. Uh, I thought Dean Garner and Pereira were fantastic. Um, I thought O'Shea impressed every now and then uh, in the middle as well. So I, I really did think they were um, were like a very good side today and I thought they, they held Derby at arm's length. The, the opening exchanges seemed pretty even. It was end-to-end at first and the home's chance, as you said, I felt he could have could have hit that first time. Um, but once after about after about 15 or 20 minutes, West Brom got in a foothold in there. And whilst it still seemed to be end-to-end, it was becoming our penalty area or our goal mouth to like their edge of the box. And it slowly but surely moved um, closer to our penalty area. And they looked ever more threatening from probably about the 25th minute onwards, I would say. And, and Derby were distinctly second best. We've, we've run out a little bit of a steam, I think. The injuries and suspensions that we've had to some key players, uh, Wisdom, Lawrence, Waghorn, etc., are going to have an impact um, on that performance. But it was disappointing. But I have to say, you just hold your hands up and go, West Brom, good side. Um, we're bound to suffer a loss at some point in this po- post-lockdown uh, football. And we just need to bounce back as soon as we can on Saturday uh, with three points. Anton, we were watching it together on a, on a, on a Zoom call, which... Um... It's getting increasingly hilarious because um, Kutch and Tom are always 10 seconds behind me and you uh, for their various <laughs> streaming options. But when we did watch it, uh, Kutch did make the point that we did somewhat get away with it on Saturday against Forest, but we didn't get away with it today against West Brom. Do you think that's a fair summary of um, of those two performances? We'll talk about Forest uh, a bit later. we potentially didn't deserve anything out of that despite the the late equaliser um and today I, I i agree with tom that we didn't deserve anything out of today either I, I thought we did start well we were saying in the first 15 20 minutes that there would look like there were going to be goals in this game we we certainly looked like we we could get goals but we we also looked like we could concede but we we did just run out of steam like tom said Let's not forget, this is a, a very young team that we've got out and, and they're so young that they can't perform consistently well every week. They're still kind of learning, they're still developing. So we, we can't expect too much for the moment. And playing against such an experience and such a, a good team um, who have shown how good they are this season, um, I mean, you've got to be philosophical about it with the... The lack of options that we had to bring off the bench and and the young team that we had out, um, we we didn't deserve anything, but um, you can't be too disappointed. Well, let's let's unpick the goals then for, uh, for for what it's worth. Derby, as we said, did start not too badly. had had the better of the early exchanges and were going toe to toe with West Brom, but it was just a moment of quality that completely undid us. Really, when uh, Grady Diangana got on the end of um, Kamal Grzycki's defence-splitting through ball. We watched it back a few times and I, f- I feel like among our fans, there is quite an easy inclination to just pin stuff on Ben Hamer as soon as we concede. Um, but I think the facts are is that the most of the defence were caught pretty square by that ball from Grzycki, who he had, a, he had a decent amount of time to get his head up, find the space, 
and the gap was too big. But then from there, as as Derby fans will know, Dean Garner just got nipped in behind, flag stayed down, got round Hamer, and and he finished it really well. Um, Tom, you weren't that impressed with with Ben Hamer's actions in that goal. It looked to me like he sort of he he read Dean Garner's run, came out as if to go to ground, spread himself, try and get the ball away of his hands, but then had a bit of a change of heart, stayed on his feet, ended up sort of stumbling to his knees and sort of didn't do anything. He didn't stay big on his feet and he didn't go to ground and make himself big there either. Um, Not really great decision-making or really a a particularly good goal to concede from anyone, to be honest. That pass from Grzycki is is incredible. The weight on it is absolutely perfect uh, to dissect Evans and Clark as centre-half. Dean Garner comes off Forsyth, who, to be fair, didn't have a great game, Uh, runs in between him and Clark, uh, keeps himself onside, and he is onside. I don't care what VAR might have said about that. That, for me, is onside all day long. Um, gets the touch on it and then finishes it really nicely. My real disappointment from watching a quality bit of play from West Brom is that um, Hamer comes out and then sort of falls to his knees almost in admiration of what he's just seen. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't come out and like force the player into a, to making a rash decision. He comes out and sells himself. And then diagana has got the relatively easy task once he's made that first touch of then putting it in, which at a difficult angle, he does it exceptionally well. If Hamer managed to stay on his feet for a split second longer, he forces that ball even wider and perhaps even turns that ball around the post and away for a corner um, before it reaches the far post. So a fantastic goal, great ball from Grzycki, great touch and great finish from Dean Garner. I just think Hamer could do better there. And, and yes, maybe we're picking on him a little bit, but I do think a, a real sort of top top-level championship goalkeeper, is making that a lot harder for him to score it. Um, and I was a bit disappointed by his actions. So I've got to disagree with you slightly there, Tom. I, I don't think you can really fault Hamer too much for that goal. I, I think it was just really good forward play by Dean Garner. It's, it's an, a fantastic touch to take it away from him and a brilliant finish as well from a tight angle. Hamer's come out pretty quickly, closed down the... The angle he's probably expecting a, a pretty early shot from Diangana. He kind of stands up to to spread himself, and he's probably not expecting that touch out to the side um, in in the way that Diangana did. And to to kind of take it away from the goalkeeper and slide it in from the position he is, it, it's just really good forward play. I, it might be because I'm more of a, a strikers union guy rather than a, a goalkeepers union guy, but I think you've just got to hold your hands up with that goal and say it was a it was a quality goal and um fair play to them I, I don't disagree with the uh top quality sort of striking play the touch is is out, outstanding just in terms of Hamer expecting a first time shot there if you think of where the ball's coming in from the left flank and then Diagana's run from the right flank for him to take a first time shot it's going to have to be an incredible piece of technical ability to like swing his left foot at pace whilst running whilst the ball also moving and make contact with the ball to get past Hamer I don't think that's what Dean Garner's aiming to do. And he takes the touch with his right foot and then finishes it with his left. For me, from that angle, as a goalkeeper, where's where's the player going? He's not going to go to my left. He's going to go to my right. So I've got to make my, I've got to be aware and I've got to move to the right. And Hamer doesn't do it. He's he stays in the centre um, and he doesn't he doesn't predict where where Dean Garner's going to go. Great bit of attacking play. Don't get me wrong, but I do think Hamer Hamer will probably look at that and go, yes, I, I could do better. I think um, yeah, it really zipped along the turf, didn't it? It was and and uh, it was a really greasy surface. And I always think in games like that, you can really tell who are the players who just have that little bit of top quality, like you know, first touch and 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 
tight control in difficult spaces. And I just think West Brom maybe handled the the turnovers and the and the quick exchanges a little bit better. But if, if you look at the players that we have who can influence games, I thought Sibley had his moments. We'll come on to his sending off. Um, he he got into a couple of good spaces, danced for danced past a few players a couple of times, and I think if, if, you do have to remember that it's what only is what like fifth or sixth <laughs> appearance in in senior professional football. So you have to cut him some slack. I know a couple of pods ago we were saying that he's basically the new Messi, but he's gonna have peaks and troughs in his in his form and his career along with the whole team. Yeah, he had his moments. Rooney started started further forward, but then seemed to come deep as he always does. He always drops deep, picks up the ball off the off the centre backs, and you know gets his head up, looks to spray those Hollywood balls to to get things going. And it was a bit of a curious lineup by the end, wasn't it, Anton? Um, there was, as you said, eight. I think it was eight. We might be wrong on that. Eight academy players who finished the game. Um, if nothing else, it gave us a good glimpse of what Derby's team could be like or more of the shape of it next season. Yeah, it's def- definitely great to see all those youngsters on the pitch gaining that experience. Just going back to Rooney, um, I-, I was quite intrigued to see that Koku lined him up in-, in that kind of more attacking position. I-, I know we were kind of a little bit struggling for, for options in-, in the attacking positions, certainly, but... It definitely seemed to me like he was nowhere near as effective as he has been in the kind of quarterback role where he doesn't need to do as much running. He doesn't need to kind of pick up the pockets of spaces as much as you do in that attacking midfield position. And it kind of showed that that is the case, that his best position for Derby and kind of going forward is going to be alongside a defensive midfielder like Max Bird, who can do the running from it for him. Um, give the ball to him and then Rooney can look up and, and kind of let everyone else make those runs, find the space and, and Rooney will pick them out. Um, it, it was an interesting tactic from Koku and I, I know Koku said previously that was potentially the, the role that he was going to play before a lot of injuries kind of meant that Rooney dropped back. But um, I, I think going forward, we'll probably continue to see Rooney in that defensive midfield position. If the first goal was questionable, Anton, um, part of the strikers' union, Tom, part of the goalkeepers' union, I think the second goal, either way, it was not great marking at all. And yeah, Hamer again, you have to say the marking's bad, but the way that he must be anticipating a header and his, his reactions just aren't aren't there. He just it doesn't get enough on it to keep it out. And well, you have to ask if a top quality championship keeper would have anticipated that better reacted better got more on it and kept it out but even before that Tom um Hamer was seems to be having a bit of a, a heated discussion with, with Buchanan who'd come on a few minutes before about uh, the, the manner in which they conceded that corner it was just pretty sloppy all round really and just a real a really disappointing way for the game to be put to bed uh, yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that. Um, Buchanan, maybe he gets a push. I don't know, but he seems to charge into Hamer, and I, I don't know whether you can really blame Hamer too much. Maybe he just needs to be a bit stronger. Like he, if he expects that kind of contact, uh, normally it would be a foul because it'd be from an opponent. But being from his own player, obviously he spills the ball. But as a goalkeeper, you want to try and get that ball into a, a safe position. So if you do take a take a clattering, you've still got hold of it as much as possible. Because um, if that was in the centre of the goal, like that, that's in, isn't it? It's, um, so 
yeah, I don't know who you blame for the conceding of the corner. Then again, Buchanan seems to be on his heels a little bit and um, he doesn't get across the across the front post. I think it's O'Shea who does get across there. Um, and then Hamer's positioning is a bit too far to the left. Considering the ball's gone to the near post, You want to, I want to see him a little bit further across to the right-hand side, covering that post as we've got no one on the post. Um, and then having strong enough wrist to get it out, it seems to go through him. So Buchanan and Hamer, for me, both equally at fault. It's poor defending and a, a poor minute and a half from Derby. Uh, what should have been a relatively routine cross to be claimed by Hamer ended up being a corner and ended up being a goal. Yeah, so that was 2-0. The game basically put to bed, but it didn't stop there in terms of um, it being a bad night for, for Derby. Uh, Louis Sibley getting a straight red in the last few minutes after a sort of a clash with, um, we think it was O'Shea, didn't we, who uh, the player he was he was tangling with in those last few minutes. Um, so that is the third red card for Derby since the restart. But we can all agree, Lawrence's was a red. You can't put your head in like that. Uh, Waghorn's probably also a red, um, a bit late and reckless, even if it wasn't malicious. Sibley's, it's not a red. It's not a red card. And even Sky Sports thought so. And they generally seem to hate us. So you, you look at what happened. There's a bit of a coming together. Sibley has his foot sort of trapped between O'Shea's uh, thighs and he, he tries to get his foot out. O'Shea reacts and and Sibley does the the most innocuous of sort of flicks with his, his right foot and O'Shea reacts as if he's just been stabbed in the thigh uh, with a kitchen knife. Um, the, ref, the ref buys it sensibly off it's i know we've talked about sibley's reputation not not that he's really demonstrated much of that but i'm sorry there, there's no way that's a red and i don't know about you guys but i fully expect the club to at least appeal it and hopefully get some of it back but i guess the question is can we do that in time for brentford on saturday yeah i, I think Koku's already said just as as we started recording that he will be appealing the the red card and it's no great surprise it's it's definitely not a red card um you can see clearly from the replays that Sibley is just trying to get his foot out i i don't even think he he's had that innocuous flick out he's he's just trying to kind of get his foot away and his kind of balance has has been lost a little bit so he's kind of gone towards the player but it's, it's clearly not a red card the, the Obviously, the the fact that you mentioned Sky Sports have, have kind of agreed with that statement. They they normally sit on the fence with these kind of things. Um, t- says it all, really. So I I've got no doubts that that red card will be rescinded. Hopefully, it is in time for for Saturday. Um, but um, who knows? I I think the referee had a pretty poor game all game. To be honest, he he seemed to had have, have it in for. Both Sibley and and Whitaker, he didn't really seem to to give much towards Derby. I, d- I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the game, but I mean, generally the the refereeing performance was really poor today. Yeah, the uh, standard officiating in the Championship at times can be truly dreadful, and I think we saw um, a pretty ordinary performance today. Um, there was one time I think Sibley was charging through the middle. Um, he gets caught. I'm not sure who who it is. I think it's a J who um, who caught him in the midfield. Uh, but I can't recall. And um, it, then Sibley falls to the ground and he's given a handball against him because um, he's basically landed on top of the ball. Like It's definitely a foul. Another instance on the right flank, Martin going down the wing and there's um, definitely a coming together between the two of them. It may be shoulder to shoulder, but for me, it looks like uh, his legs have been clipped and nothing is given uh, at that point. Morgan Whitaker's dive, I thought was a bit harsh as well. There was a hand on the back and it would have been a soft free kick. 
I don't have an issue with it not being given a free kick, but it's certainly not a dive. Um, on the flip side, at the same time, he, he potentially got the uh, the push by Clark, which again I think would have been a soft penalty. But arguably, Clark's got his hands up um, and he makes contact. So is it a penalty? Maybe you got that one wrong as well. But the the Sibley red card, no, absolutely not for me. But you know what the EFL are like. Uh, that's going to be a three game ban, and we'll be without him until uh, until what the Birmingham City game on uh, the last day of the season. Well, it's still it's still technically on for Derby. Um, only the small matter of uh, Brentford and. Cardiff away in our next two games to try and keep that flickering promotion dream alive. But um, you can follow Steve Bloomers Washing if you're enjoying the podcast. We are on social, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram uh, at Steve Bloomer Pod or at Steve Bloomers Washing. And in just a second, we'll have a bit of a look back on those crazy last few minutes against Forrest. Got your five word reviews as uh, Philip Cocko celebrates a year in charge of Derby County, and uh, a cheeky little quiz to round off this podcast. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So before the West Brom game that we have just uh, sat through, the East Midlands Derby, of course, uh, Derby won, Nottingham Forest won. It looks for 96 and a half minutes like it's going to be another game where we didn't beat Forest, didn't score against Forest for... Uh, what what would have been what what would have taken it to three years since we last scored against our local rivals until Chris Martin popped up in the 97th minute whilst scoring with his back and looking in the wrong direction. Uh, Tom, uh, the players who interviewed afterwards, Chris Martin and, and Louis Sibley, they seem to think it was a deserved point for Derby. I would say I don't know what game they were watching, but they were literally playing in it. Uh, it, it didn't seem that way to me really uh, it did seem that we did get out of jail massively what's your take on it yeah I did I did see those comments and um, I was quite surprised by it but then again I think you can argue statistics anyway can't you Derby dominated possession I think we had 67% which was our highest percentage this season our pass completion rate was 90% which all on paper sounds very good but the fact is we were second best on Saturday uh, and we got very lucky so I totally uh, disagree with what they're saying Um but I can see why it might have felt that they were like constantly pushing forward and trying to create chances. And Forrest sat in and they sat in well and they hit us on the counter-attack and they did it very effectively. Um, I think there'll be a, a tough proposition in the playoffs for whoever gets them. Uh, I don't think they're going to go up automatically having had a, a 1-0 defeat to Fulham last night as well. Um, but yeah, I was impressed with their, with their counter-attack uh, on Saturday and I thought they, they looked very well organised and very solid. Yeah, it's interesting, Anton, with Forrest, isn't it? Because their game plan is clearly to... To, to get a goal and then sit in, contain, make it difficult, keep a keep a disciplined shape, hit teams on the break. But I watched I watched some of their game against Fulham and and when they were a goal down, when they had to chase a game, um, they just didn't look anywhere near as, as effective. And they, they do seem to be a, a team almost in in the, the mould of like a, a Gary Rowett team or, or dare I say even like a Billy Davis team, right? Who's who are better at um, protecting leads and, and winning ugly than, than blowing teams away and, and chasing games and getting back into them and getting back when they've been pegged behind. Um, what's, what, what was your take on the game on Saturday? Did, do you think Forrest, we all saw the pictures of Joe Lolly looking pretty, uh, pretty, pretty furious with himself afterwards. Um, do you think it's a fair point that, that Derby can probably say they were quite lucky to, to nick a draw in that game? I definitely agree with the the comparisons with Rowett and Co about them being very organised and and being able to sit on the lead. 
as painful as it is to say, I, I think they did a bit of a job on us for, for 95 minutes or so. They knew our strengths and how to deal with them. They, they kept it very compact, certainly in the middle, and, and dealt with the threat of the three um, central players in, in Sibley, Bird and, and Rooney very well. And we didn't really have too much to, to cope with that. Um, the only space really we were getting was out wide and and, and we didn't look particularly threatening. Our, our crossing was poor and, and we didn't really look particularly likely. Once once that kind of reasonably early goal went in, you, you just couldn't see a, w- a way back in it for Derby until that, that final minute. And, and what, what a way to, to get a point. Um, obviously to to feel like a victory in, in that respect having not played the best throughout the throughout the whole game and, and to come away with a point from from a game that you're expecting zero is a great outcome um it, it's kind of underlines the 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 way that that forest play and and why they're up there this season but um a good point in the end with forest tom and anton has touched on it there that we are loath to say that they are effective. They are good at their executing their game plan. What, why do you think that is? Like, like you look at them tactically. What is it about them that that makes them so hard to break down and limits opponents to to so few chances? Like, is it players? Um, is it certain players being really good at, at in certain roles, or or just like general organization? Like, is there anything that Derby can learn from them? Dare I say, in how to set up and and protect leads away from home? Which, let's face it, we haven't really been that good at doing up until about a month ago yeah I think I think it's a mixture of the two actually Chris um they're very disciplined and very organized like when Derby got the ball uh they dropped back into like a, a very defensively organized shape with a four a flat four and a five and then grabbing just sort of splitting the center backs um but stopping the ball into our defensive midfielders so it was a, a very effective shape where they allowed Derby to have the ball but allowed them to have the ball in the back four and not any further forward Whenever the ball seemed to go forward, they then pushed uh, players in to, to to threaten those players. So people like Sal and Yates and Watson basically gave no space to Bird or Rooney. Now, the way that we play is to get Bert, the ball to Bird and Rooney and then to go right and then to left uh, to allow the fullbacks uh, to push on forward. And, and just Forrest just stopped doing that. And in addition to that, I also thought Forrest counterattacked and broke on us really effectively. Um, I know the Forest fans were loving sharing the Joe Lolly nutmeg on Wayne Rooney, but but that that really amplified how uh, good a game he actually had. And I know that that bit ended up with just being a free kick, but Lolly was a threat the entire game, and his goal sort of showed the threat that he had. And Derby were worried about him, and as a result, Forsyth never felt comfortable with with overloading. And because Derby never overloaded and Bogle didn't really do that either down the right flank, it meant that Forrest were really comfortable holding us at arm's length because of their rigid shape. And for Derby to have been effective against them, we needed to get the wider players forward uh, and cause them problems rather than just marking the person, their opposite number. Um, and at no point did Derby really do it. Worrell and Figueredo, I thought, both had good games. Um, Worrell until the 96th minute where he had a fantastic game, may I say. Um, and also thought Ribeiro was solid at left back too. And it just left Martin isolated and, and with no support. So we just didn't really, we looked very toothless against them. Um, and I thought Forest's organisation and discipline was very good. Um, but I really, really was impressed with Sal uh, and Watson in the midfield, just doing the quiet, horrible things in there, just nullifying Derby's, um, Derby's attacking uh, potency. Yeah, they, they knew we were a threat in, in the middle um, with, with the likes of 
um, Sibley's flair and, and, and Rooney coming through the middle. So they made sure that they were really, really organised, really compact in the middle and, and kind of allowed us a little space, a little bit of space when um, they needed to out wide and, and kind of back themselves with the aerial ball into the middle. We're, we're not the biggest side outside of kind of Martin's aerial ability um, from the team on Saturday. So they only really had one player to cope with in the box. So as long as they nullified that central threat, they were were pretty comfortable with us going forward. Our crossing also wasn't particularly good on on Saturday. I, I think we it was probably the one game that we did miss someone like Tom Lawrence um, putting those dangerous balls in. Um, and, and they dealt with it pretty comfortably in the end. Um, it, it was a very organised performance from Forrest. I, I think we can learn a lot, as, as, as you say, Chris, about the way that they set up defensively. I think it had a, an implication on Derby's summer business as well, because um, that game really showed us, arguably as well the West Brom game, but it really showed us how poor we are in wide areas going forward um, and how reliant we are on the likes of Bogle, uh, Forsyth or Lowe, whoever's at left back, um, to get forward and to provide that width and provide the space. Without an effective wide man further further up the pitch, we become very central and very predictable. And yes, there's lots of movement and lots of runners in the midfield when that's working. But I think Dwayne Holmes has been quite poor since lockdown. Um, like football, well, post-lockdown football restarted. And I don't think he's got on the ball as much as he was before um, before lockdown. And I just think we, we really lack a genuine, tricky, difficult to defend against uh, winger and someone who's going to do something a little bit different. As Anton said, arguably Lawrence is that person and we, we probably missed him on... Um, Probably missed him on Saturday. Well, that's enough picking up Forrest for now. Um, probably done it far more than we should have done, to be honest. Uh, but let's let's talk about what we're all really here for, which is Christopher Hugh Martin's 97-minute equaliser. Um, it all stems from some, uh, uh, sort of a breakaway and, and a ridiculously stupid foul that Forrest give away, that Worrell gives away. Uh, I mean, Morgan Whitaker's nowhere near getting to the ball, but Worrell just... Uh, just just shoulder charges him over, just barges him over, gives away a stupid free kick about 45 yards from goal. Um, Rooney floats it in, it's headed back in. And then, well, Martin, as I said, is sort of looking the wrong way and it sort of bounces off maybe one of his shoulder blades and barely crosses the line. But who cares? It went in and that's all that matters. A a goal's a goal, isn't it, Chris? And as you said earlier about the the Zoom conversation, uh, the Zoom watching that we've had, you and Anton sort of went up for it and were like, yes, yes, is it in? And myself, Kutch was back in the ramshack that night and uh, myself and Kutch saw, as you celebrated, knowing it was a goal, we saw the ball cross the line. So we're able to celebrate fully and it was a a great moment for us. But Joe Worrell, I mean, what an idiot. Whitaker does well for me to to put the pressure on. Martin or Waghorn aren't going to do that sort of pressure um that late in the game or even at any stage and he forces the foul it's stupidity from Worrell it's pretty shocking goalkeeping we've had a bit of a hammer of the goalkeepers tonight um but I had actually quite like the Forest goalkeeper Samba before um but he's had a few shaky moments over the past sort of 10 or 11 games either side of lockdown and um yeah pretty shocking goalkeeping we do well to keep the ball alive and Martin's braver than Matty Cash who tries to kick him in the head I think that the undeserved goal is one of the most underrated goals in football to be honest it's one of my favorite goals certainly and and two of the goals this season from Chris Martin have certainly been um that the the goal against Forest on Saturday of course and the equalizer against Leeds earlier in the season 
both of which very undeserved, but absolutely massive celebrations from the Derby fans. It almost feels like a win in, in both times. Um, and you, you celebrate it like it's a win. So absolutely great to see and um, great scenes all around. That game, the draw against Forest, was um, was played a few days after or around the same week that um, Philip Koku celebrated a year in charge of the Mighty Rams. Um, it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it, really, you'd have to say. Um, and it's gone quite quickly, actually, despite everything that has happened in the past 12 months. How would you both rate Koku's first year, would you say, out of 10? I mean, I think for me, a lot has been made of the stuff he's had to deal with uh, following Lampard for a start. The expectation of, of being playoff finalists the following season, uh, having barely any pre-season, uh, losing his captain in a car crash, losing his record signing for the season, losing a regular centre-back to a robbery and a stabbing. And that's without even mentioning anything related to EFL charges or anything like that. Tom, you first. What's been Koku's biggest challenge that he's had to deal with, would you say? And what would you mark his first 12 months as Derby manager out of 10? I think the obvious one is the the car crash in September. Uh, I don't think you can get any bigger than that, despite all of the things that have faced him up. Uh, losing your captain to 18 months injured, uh, and then obviously him being sacked. Um, a key player in Tom Lawrence, uh, obviously having some sort of alcohol problem or or perhaps having some issue where, which it came out in the courts where they, they said that he'd been getting support following the death of his mother um, the previous season. And obviously Mason Bennett, a uh, a young player come through the ranks, one of our own, so to speak, clearly burning his bridges with the club following actions later on uh, and obviously going out on loan to Millwall. So that was a massive issue and came completely out of nowhere. Um, and it's ridiculous about how much he's had to deal with. So I think that, that one for me is the biggest challenge he's faced. In terms of Koku himself, um, I, th- I still think sometimes our football's a bit slow, uh, a bit predictable. Um, and I think it when things aren't going right, it doesn't look great despite all the ball we have. I'd probably give him five out of ten up till Christmas. Um, but I could see what he was trying to do. It just wasn't quite coming off. It almost looked like the players weren't quite there. But the introduction of the young players and this sort of resurgence of, of well, the, not the resurgence of Wayne Rooney, but the, the introduction of Wayne Rooney again to, to help those players like Chris Martin have a resurgence um, in this season, I think have been fantastic. So, sort of post-Wigan Athletic, I would probably give him 8 out of 10. So therefore, given a nice rounded 6.5 out of 10 uh, for this season. So definitely improving. I'm really excited about what the future has with with Philip Koku. And I'm also delighted to have the same manager for a calendar year for the first time, I think, since 2014 or something. Something ridiculous like that. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to next season already. And I'm sure Koku will build on this, this positively. I think it's certainly the same manager for consecutive pre-seasons, which is a real novelty. I'm not sure I've had that in quite a long time. Um, let's not forget though, Anton, it's, it's all very well saying now that Koku is doing really well and the future looks bright and he's put up with so much. But if you, if you rewind back to Boxing Day at Wigan, when we were not far off dropping towards, we were definitely looking over our shoulders um, and we had to scramble a last minute winner against what, what was then the worst team in the league. We're on an upward curve now, but we came from a pretty bad place and there's definitely been some real low points this season. How would you uh, analyse his first year at the helm? Yeah, for sure. There there have been some kind of sticky points in the season. Um, and, and I would agree with Tom that 
clearly the the car incident was the the trickiest of all of them you've got to remember that pretty much everything that could have gone wrong this year for Koku has gone wrong so you really can't be too harsh on what's gone on even before Christmas the fact that he came in so late before the season started the the fact that the squad he inherited was, was nowhere near as, as good as the one we had last season with, with the lone players that we lost the the car incident obviously that Tom's talked about the the injuries that we we've had with with Billick and um, all the others throughout the season it's it's kind of steadily being on an upward curve I I would say even before Christmas and before that that Wigan performance and before Rooney came in, it's kind of gradually been growing as Koku started to implement his style. Let's not forget he only had two weeks pre-season, so or three weeks, whatever he had pre-season. So that's that's no time to to get your style and, and get your training influence on the players. And I think we we saw that in the first half of the season, and that's why. We, we were struggling and were looking over our shoulders. But as the season's gone on, um, the introduction of the youngsters and Rooney has, has definitely helped. But it has been an upward curve. And I, and I would put the, the score on Koku much higher than, than you, Tom. I, I would put it more at, um, more of an 8 out of 10. Because um, I, I think you've got to judge it more on the second half of the season after he's had a chance to kind of get to know his squad, implement his his playing style. And and I'm I'm so pleased that he's been given the time to do so. Um he he's kind of had the option to to bring in those youngsters. And I, I think it's only going to improve going into next season. I think uh, for what it's worth I'll I'll ch- I'll chuck him at seven, I'd say. I reckon I'd say it's on about a seven and a half before the West Brom game. If we'd have, if we'd have beaten West Brom, I'd have said eight. And uh but as it stands we've lost so I'll I'll give him a a very respectable seven, I would say. But we put this one out to you guys on Twitter and uh, our Facebook and Instagram as well. How you rated Philip Koku's first year as Derby County manager in five words. Had some great responses as ever. Uh, Dan Letchford responded with cool, calm, collected Dutch master. Uh, Michael Griffiths said doing well under the circumstances. Pete Lee on Twitter, he said kept calm and carried on. Steve Dolman, he said, challenging, rewarding, entertaining, and mad. Uh, the Punjabi Rams said, chaos has not distracted him. And over on our Facebook page, we had uh, Benny Blue, who said, EastEnders Omnibus has less drama. Nice. Uh, Matthew Barker, he posted on our Facebook page, he said, absolute shit show, stayed classy. I enjoy that one. I think that sums it up pretty well. Adam James Halloran said, progressing well, stronger next season. Uh, Derby Boy on Twitter, he said, nicely building a bright future. Paul Turner on Twitter, he said, Derby's Dutchman doing just fine. Uh, Chris Tivy, he tweeted us to say, a real baptism of fire. Uh, Stephen at Thrifty Gorilla, great username, he said, enough progress to be optimistic. Uh, Will Gross, he said, nice beard while it lasted. Uh, and over on our Instagram page, uh, Tom Crick said on Instagram, shaky start, but strong finish. Carl uh, Gange, he said, had a plan, it's working. And uh, Ben Wright said, given time, he will deliver. 
So um, all pretty optimistic shouts there. Although I did get all those in before we just lost to West Brom 2-0. So um, taken in, in the context they were they were asked for. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of those are good. I like Tom Cricks. He seems to agree with me. Shaky start and then a, a good finish. As we were talking about context, you've got to kind of compare to maybe Lampard the previous season. And uh, I think you tweeted out maybe a week ago, Chris, about how the records are pretty much identical between Lampard and, and Koku. And Koku's done fantastically well, I think, in the, the latter part of the season to really galvanise his team without the likes of uh, Mason Mount and Harry Wilson. Uh, and perhaps Fakaya Tomori as well, who were outstanding Premier League players. So when you compare him to to Lampard, I actually I actually think Lampard didn't do as good a job as what um, as what he uh, maybe could have done with the players available. And actually, Koku by comparison is doing a marginally better job than what Lampard did last last season. Not to detract, of course, from Lampard's achievements, but I do think Koku has a more challenging and has done a better job with what he's got got available. Well, still. A few more games left for Derby to make something of this season, but we can all agree that it's been um, definitely one to remember, good, bad and ugly. Uh, We're going to finish this pod with a little poser for you both. If I said to you, Tom and Anton, I am at a football ground and it's 196 kilometres from Pride Park Stadium, where am I? Anton, um, Northampton Town. Is incorrect. Uh, I think Northampton might be uh, slightly too close. I'm going to go a little bit further east and go Peterborough, London Road. Peterborough is incorrect. Clue number two. The away end of this ground holds 2,000 people. So it's... It's not tiny then. No, reasonable size away end. But then again, can't get your your usual maximum allocation of 3,000 in there. Um, I'm going to go Tom and go uh, Oxford United. Ooh, Oxford United is incorrect. Anton, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go for Fratton Park. I think it's a bit too far, but... Fratton Park is also incorrect. Clue number three. The total uh, capacity of this stadium is 10,137. Tom, I'm thinking that Derby might not have played at this particular stadium, but we have played this club in the championship. Is it uh, Colchester United? Colchester United. It's good, but it's not right, Tom. It's not right. Disappointing. Can you steal it at the death? Um, I've not got an obvious shout. I'm going to go for, I don't know how big their ground is, but Hartlepool. Hartlepool is miles away. That is incredibly incorrect. Um, (laughs) Final next clue. Derby, and I could be wrong on this. I couldn't find any evidence. Derby have never played this team competitively. (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's an interesting one we've never played this team competitively uh, I'm going to go Tom actually no no that's not right I was going to say Forest Green Rovers and then I recalled the uh, FA Cup game uh, there so that's not going to be right no I was thinking crew but I think we have played them recently yeah. so I'm going to go for Cheltenham Town Cheltenham Town is incorrect 
Anton. Uh, final clue, and this is the spoiler. Uh, Derby have never played this team competitively, but they could next season. Tom, Wickham Wanderers, Adams Park. Is correct. He's nailed it. He's got there. Well done, Tom. Interesting. I was going to say Rochdale before uh, you gave that final clue. I, I I was struggling to think of small little grounds, um, and I couldn't. So the, yeah, the the site I normally use to to look at previous results, it, it, it literally had nothing for Derby v Wickham. I'm sure someone might be able to correct us, but um, unless that's just a broken link, um, have Derby ever played Wickham Wanderers competitively in their history? Um, please tweet us because. I can't be asked to find out properly. Anyway, we're going to leave it there for now, but we are churning out these podcasts like there is no tomorrow. We're going to try and return this time in a week when uh, Derby will obviously have picked up six points from Brentford at home, Cardiff away and stormed into the playoffs. But until then, Tom, thanks for joining us. All the best. And uh, Anton, always a pleasure to hear your, your dulcet tones. Cheers, lads. And see you again soon. Thanks for listening. 